Welcome to ESI Focus. I'm your host, Adam Fitch. As part of the kind of apparel focus we're taking on the first four episodes of this series, I'm joined today by Rachel, the co-founder of Ateo. And now Ateo is doing something quite different in the esports space in terms of merchandise and apparel in that it's kind of created its own brand or definitely created its own brand as opposed to um, using its services and its offerings to enable others like, uh, for example, teams or working with leagues and such, you know, like Ateo is very much its own thing and it's got quite a unique take on how to service gamers and, and those in esports. So while I don't want to ruin what we discuss, uh, I, I really enjoyed speaking to Rachel about this. I think it's a, it's a side of apparel in esports that's not really spoken about too much and I think there's plenty to learn from Rachel uh, throughout this episode. So I, I very much appreciate you taking the time to listen. I, I hope you really get something from the episode and uh, i will see you next week for another look at esports apparel from another view take care thank you so much for joining me rachel on esi focus uh, the first block of esi focus where we're um looking specifically at apparel uh, i just i just first off just want to thank you for taking the time to speak to me basically of course i'm so happy to chat with you so I, I want to ask a question which you've probably answered a hell of a lot of times, but um, to, to the kind of audience that, that we've got, which is people already in the industry and those looking to get into the industry, I'd just like to provide a bit more context. So wh where did the kind of crossover for you come from uh, gaming and, and apparel and, and fashion, I guess, in a sense, like how did that all kind of converge into one? So... I've played games forever. I did not know what esports and Twitch was till about four years ago. Um, and then separate from that, since I guess it's in my kindergarten yearbook, I said I wanted to be a fashion designer when I grew up. And so for college, I went to Parsons, which I, where, is where I met Brienne, my co-founder. And together we started a luxury clothing brand that was very controversial in New York. And we showed it New York Fashion Week and started hitting all of these benchmarks we had set for ourselves. And it felt not that exciting, not that fulfilling. And we found ourselves going to gaming cafes in Flushing, Queens, which for those of you who aren't familiar with New York, this is not Manhattan. This is an hour subway ride, the last stop on the train in Queens. And there's a huge gaming culture that I have never actually seen anywhere else in the US specifically. And it's a bunch of gaming cafes. And as designers and people that love clothes, we felt like what people were wearing and how it was being sold to them was really subpar. Um, these are small little cafes. I'm talking like 32 people at PCs, not TwitchCon, not hundreds of thousands of people, not tons of investment. This was just people playing games. And we started making different cuffs and different hoods on our home sewing machine in our apartment in Manhattan. And every weekend we would bring them to Flushing Queens to be like, hi, can you please try this and please game in it for 14 hours. <laughs> At first, people were like, what is happening? Who are you? Like, this is not an idea. Like, all those sorts of things that I think a lot of people hear. Um, and then about six or eight months into that, what was, I guess at the time, kind of a hobby and kind of learning experience, we went to TwitchCon in San Diego. And that was the first time we really understood, whoa, this is massive. But again, TwitchCon really recreated the same thing we saw in those gaming cafes. There were people that were part of, whether it be a huge streamer's discord, and they would talk to each other and they were friends and they had real relationships, but maybe they'd never met in person. 
And that sort of magic really kind of continued to fuel us. Um, eventually, we packed up our bags. We both had other jobs at the time, quit our jobs, had no money, and moved to Los Angeles. We moved to LA because we knew we had to make the best sweatshirts and sweatpants. We both had extensive experience in overseas and kind of luxury production, but felt strongly that making product in America was a good business decision. It was also the best way to make the best product. We wanted to make 300 units of something, sell out of it quickly, get people's feedback and make it better. And producing locally allowed for that. At the same time, Overwatch League was based here and LCS. And we also knew that in order to make the best product, we had to know the people that were the best players and kind of test product on them. And they had to become, you know, part of our business origin, but also part of like the culture. Um, and so that's how we found ourselves in LA. We lived in downtown LA for two and a half years with people not familiar with downtown. It's not very fancy. We lived in um, a very interesting loft. It was our office and our home for two and a half years. Um, and it was a great kind of start and it gave us great opportunity. And now I guess that's a tale. Okay. And, and one thing I've said, which is, I don't not been taken very well in the past is, um, gamers typically don't know how to dress well. Um, and, and some people agree, some disagree. And obviously it's, it's mixed. It's, that's not a blanket statement on everyone, but I mean, I, I guess like comfort is prioritized right over, over looking good. And, uh, and I mean, I understand that when you're gaming, when you sat down for however long, then you, you want to be there in, in your, we call them joggers over here, but I will, I will call them sweats. Um, you call them sitters. Yeah, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit. But um, okay, I, I will not say joggers ever again. I will say sitters. Um, like, do you really care about what your sitters look like if if you're comfy? But I mean, what, what you've seemingly managed to achieve, in my opinion, at least, as someone who dresses absolutely amazingly, perhaps the best dresser in the world, of course I am, um, that you've kind of blended like the comfort with um with, with the style and making sure it looks good I, I guess that was top of mind when when developing things we went to as many events as we could go to um that meant we were at the very famous halo world championship that had like 12 guests we've also been to ti numerous times bunch of csgo events league overwatch you name it we've likely been there um i think that people dress distinctively different in each title yeah. which is something that we don't know is really talked about. I feel like you can almost identify what game someone plays based on the tennis shoes they're wearing, which I think is a really interesting thing to look through as like a designer. Mm -hmm. We definitely want to create the best quality clothes. We care how our clothes are made. We care that they last you a lifetime. We're not trying to send some trendy thing that you have to update in a month. Um, and we do think that in speaking to a lot of customers or community members, a lot of people wanted clothes that were comfortable enough to game in that they could then, they first, they actually would get ready in the morning. They'd go to work. Then they'd come home and they would just game in what they wore to work. And then I'd say about 10 to 15% then want to sleep in what they've worn all day and to game in and to bed. And so as a designer, I feel strongly that I want to design a product with the community that's designed for them. So me designing some awesome contraption that you can't wear to work, that you only wear at home for the five hours you're gaming after work, isn't really that thoughtful. So I really want to design something that they can wear to work, they can wear to game in, and then maybe if they want, they can go to bed in it and hopefully it doesn't wrinkle that much. And so it's really been how do I, with the community and people's input, 
design the best product that is designed for them. That's not designed for just five hours of their day. Okay, and and like performance is part of that too, right? Um, can can you discuss what what kind of what discoveries you've made on that front? Because in 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 sports, obviously, is the jerseys out, and esports kind of seems to take its cues from sports quite a lot. So we just ended up with. We, they'll end up wearing uh, joggers, I mean, sitters, and they'll wear, they'll wear the jerseys, and that's kind of how they game. But, like, uh, perhaps there are other ways, or there are ways in which we can modify what, what's the, what the norm is to, to make them better. So how have you kind of approached that? So we feel strongly about what we would call technical design. I'm not sure that's the appropriate term kind of in the community to discuss it, but we really feel that every detail should be super thoughtful in why we've done that. When we spoke with people, a huge discussion was around temperature. And this idea that you're freezing, but you're also sweating. And how do I design something for that? And I think it kind of spans anywhere from if you're sitting at home and you're streaming, your air might be on to keep your computers cool, but your computers are really hot and now you're drinking an energy drink, so you're probably sweating, but you're also freezing. Or maybe you're a fighting games player where the arenas, maybe it's really hot and people like to say it smells, or it's really cold and you now have a hotel robe on your lap. So this idea that we had to make warm clothing that was also cool seems maybe counterintuitive, but in that we felt strongly that the jersey was not what we wanted to launch with. It's not like our tent pole product. We launched with the zip up and we believe it is specifically designed, it is, to sit at a computer and game. It's really interesting. Historically, clothing has been designed to stand up. The way sleeves are put into shirts are meant for your sleeves to rest at your side. They're not meant for your arms to rest on a desk. So really, how do we design a product to sit in game for a long time? And I think from a really early point, it became clear that gamers were like the tip of this iceberg, right? They spent that many hours gaming, but really their life and others kind of in peripheral industries are still spending a ton of time at their computer. And I think now with COVID, even more people are spending a ton of time at their computer at home. And so it's really interesting. How do we really design clothing for the future? And you say the zip up, like, do, do many people, like, now you've made it and obviously sold quite a lot of it, but, like, do people tend to actually play in zip ups? Because, I mean, that's that's not something I'm aware of too much. So we launched with a zip up that was $88 just over two years ago, 88 US dollars. At the time, that was a crazy price. Yes. Everyone was too much money. How could we launch a product like that? We don't understand the community. It's fake. All the things you think they're going to say. And we felt strongly kind of, one, that people need to pay for quality goods. That's not for us to make a ton of money. That's because our sewers make a living wage. That's because things are made in the U.S. and people get lunch breaks and two stretch breaks a day. So really kind of building a business that not only was like front facing good for people, but our supply chain felt responsible. And then on top of that, we then looked at how people were gaming. A lot of people were wearing a hoodie. I mean, the audience can't see me, but then they would push the sleeves up at their wrist yeah. so that it wouldn't bother them. So they obviously were cold, but their sleeves were irritating. They were chafing, whatever you want to call it. And so we launched a zip up that was designed to game in. And I can say a bunch of top players bought the zip up, I think because our proposition was interesting and maybe they wanted to prove us wrong. And numerous players started buying it as the product they're going to stream in, they're going to wear at home. And I think that's really where we kind of not just proved to the community, but proved to ourselves that our product had kind of crossed this hurdle that you couldn't play in a long sleeve or a zip up. And the technical details we had done, 
that maybe we hadn't advertised were actually working. Okay, and so so you've been in the industry working full time for quite some bit now. Um, what what do you think of the, the standard of apparel and merchandise and such is across the board? Do you think we're in a good spot? Do you think um, you're miles ahead? I mean, hopefully you think that, but um, do you know what I mean? I'm just wondering, like, where where you gauge the the overall level of things at the moment when it comes to apparel in esports and gaming. I think that there's a lot of different and interesting value propositions. I'm not one to talk poorly of other people. I truly believe that if we look at other lifestyle spaces, it's good to have a bunch of brands. Competition makes products better. It's better for the brands and it's better for the community. I think that personally, I would love to see innovation around the jersey. Um, As a small brand and we're not with a league, that's a difficult proposition for us to execute. But I think there's a lot that could be done around the jersey and it could be really interesting with a lot of kind of wearable tech and things like that. Is that something you're looking to do in, say, 2021 once COVID's started and you can kind of go to meetings again and, and be around players and, and not freak out about that stuff? We had a, our year was off to an exceptional start. Yeah. Um, it's a rough few months as a small business. I mean, I'm not sure how familiar I with the shutdowns here, but in LA, production has basically stopped. So it's just kind of a matter of time as we slowly deplete our inventory. Um, and then we're trying to come up with creative ways to kind of redistribute production, if that makes sense. Um, which has been exciting and great to kind of give small independent makers work, but it's a huge business hurdle. I think that the Jersey's interesting. I'm not sure it's totally something we feel is our goal. I think that we really care deeply about making the best pants to sit in and the best zip up to game in. And our sitters have sold out again, which is super exciting. And this idea that what kind of innovation can be done around sitters and kind of the pants, as I feel that we've really kind of excelled in that category. And and can you tell me how you are innovating in the sitter category? I'm, I'm really interested in on that front. So when we designed the sitters, we designed the perfect pant to sit in. It's a play on the jogger, I would say. And this idea that pants, one kind of are like a sibling that's not get, given as much credit, um, but also leaves a lot to be desired. And so our idea is made of our same kind of triple kill fleece, which is all custom made from the thread up. And so they're kind of sweat wicking, antimicrobial. They're cozy and warm, but they're also breathable. They also have a waistband that's stretchy. So it's a different fabric and a panel below the back waistband. So when you sit down, your crack's never gonna show, the pants are never gonna need to be adjusted. And this idea that your pants are no longer a distraction, they just work perfectly, was really the goal. They also have no pockets on the back because we feel strongly that posture is incredibly important and we don't want anything to be uneven. We don't want you to hold anything in your back pocket. That's not kind of how we've designed the pants. And then in the front, of the sitters, there are two zip pockets, which is really important for us. As the goal was that if you put something in your pocket, you could sit down and not have to take your wallet and phone out, which is something we saw over and over. Um, and also to kind of go down the pant while they have a gusset at the crotch to have more room. They have two kind of darts at the knees and that allows more movement. So there's more fabric at the front at the knee than there is behind. So the pants are not actually designed to stand in, sitters are designed to sit in. So there will be no stretching at the knees. There will be no extra gathering behind the knees. And then they taper at the bottom so that there's nothing dragging. They're super comfortable and they kind of wear well as well. If if you ever decide to get out of um, design, designing and such, you should definitely go into sales, by the way, because you are great at that. 
just saying like you do a very good job you speak very well a much better speaker than i am but uh, i want to kind of discuss um what we typically see in esports at the moment is uh, there are clothing companies, apparel brands, merchandise companies, however you want to frame them, that work with teams and, and don't really have their own brand. Um, while Nations and, and Raven, for example, do have their own brand, that's not really what they're known for. It's for working with the teams like Excel or, or G2, Cloud9, whoever, it, whichever company it may be, really. But you haven't really gone that route and that really interests me because, I mean, I feel like it's a much braver and more difficult route to just start a brand new brand as opposed to working with pre-existing brands that have hundreds of thousands of fans um was that the idea all along do you reckon there's a, a time in which you will kind of go into that i know you've done some like micro collaborations which i do want to get into a little bit later yeah so it was definitely a conscious decision we wanted to build the best product we wanted to spend money building that product and sell it at what we considered an accessible and fair price and that means that we weren't paying royalties to a team. We weren't kind of doing that sort of biz dev partnerships. We were really going to make the best product and our product and our community were going to support that. Yes, Brienne and I are not influencers. We are designers and we feel strongly about the products we are building. Um, we have partnered with people and we think that's really interesting and it's a great way to kind of grow both audiences to give, let's say, a team or a streaming platform or a hardware company something more interesting to kind of round out their offering while it benefits both businesses. So I think that there's something very interesting about partnerships. We've done a just kind of ended along with YouTube, which was awesome, and kind of all of their gaming creators. So I think that we're really interested in these partnerships, but in a different sense than we will be kind of your screen printing partner for your jerseys. Okay. Uh, that 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 makes complete sense. It, it definitely seems like a bit of a it's a longer play, right? Like to to establish something in that sense. But um, what would you say, if anything, is like the the biggest kind of discovery you've made? Whether it surprised you or whatever it may be, uh, having worked in esports full time, doing what you're doing, doing something that isn't really being done like massively elsewhere. Has there been any like huge awakenings? Any an epif any epiphanies? come from it or has it all been pretty straightforward and as expected i think that brianne and i both came from what i would consider traditional fashion i worked in the luxury space and she worked at aritzia which is a very large kind of canadian lifestyle brand that went public when she was there and i think that fashion is a very old school industry and the rules are set and the way you show clothes is set obviously recent months things have dramatically changed but there's very little kind of accountability or responsibility or even like social responsibility in the fashion industry. And I think that gaming, we're given this really unique opportunity to build it. Brianne and I, we can build a tale how we want. We don't have to show a whole collection every four months because it's fashion week. And that's the only time buyers are placing orders. We can sell directly to our consumers. We can really say, this is the best zip up. We don't want to upsell you every year. Just buy this zip up and maybe we'll offer a second color. And so this idea that we can really build it our ways was super exciting. Obviously it comes with totally different hurdles, right? We don't get a large purchase order every season as a cash injection to kind of keep going. But I think that it's been really exciting in that we've been allowed to set our own rules in a way that we wouldn't have been able to in traditional fashion. Okay, and, and whenever somebody moves from an industry that's long-standing and, and well-established into, say, gaming or esports, they're met with a certain kind of response. And I, I'm interested uh, with that in mind. Um, 
how was how was uh, the response to Ateo uh, from you contemporaries and friends in fashion? Oh, in fashion, I thought you were going to say the gaming industry. No. Um, <laughs> in fashion, I would say Brian and I we had a luxury brand before. Definitely, we beat to our own drum. I think that we were playing with this idea for a while before we quit our jobs, moved across the country, and made those drastic life choices. So people had started to hear about it. They were like, "Oh, they keep going to gaming cafes." They went to Twitter. Like they started hearing these things. Um, very few of my peers at the time. Now Twitch is discussed, but four and a half years ago, five years ago, gaming cafes and League of Legends were most definitely not kind of common knowledge. And this sounds very maybe gendered, but like one of my friends' boyfriends worked at Riot, and that. <laughs> right. Only person that actually had any sort of an idea of what we were doing, and that it was kind of a good idea. And then we met people in gaming who there were people that were like, "This is a great idea." I think they saw that Brienne and I were really passionate. We were really hardworking, and we really cared. And that this wasn't like we know how to do this. We're right, which is very much not how Brienne or I operate. And I think is extra important in gaming. I think that's being authentic, which is a whole nother conversation. And we came to gaming, people obviously critiqued us. I think that we've convinced some people. I think that some people that it's really funny, there was someone that wrote like scathing tweets the day we launched and just the other day told me they now own six pairs of sitters. So I think that our product speaks for itself. I think that now peers and family outside of gaming have heard of gaming, right? They've heard like the random prize pool from TI or some 16 year old won the Fortnite World Cup. But five years ago, that's not what gaming was to the public. And it was, I guess, scary, but we've talked about this recently, Brianna and I, looking back, there wasn't really a moment we were like, wow, we're quitting really good jobs. We're leaving an apartment. We have nowhere to live. We have no car and Brianna's Canadian. So that was a whole nother level to like move to LA and do this thing that we have no connections in. And so I guess it's lucky we're still standing. How do you, how do you make those connections then? Because I think that, that could be something that's quite valuable to, to know about yeah. and to learn about. Like, how do you go from, okay, yes, yeah, so we know literally nobody to like, okay, yeah, like we're friends with everybody in the industry. How does, how does that happen? We had these friends at gaming cafes in Flesh and Queen. They're not like industry people. They were, it was a really interesting group. It was a bunch of, we became really good friends with this guy that owned a cafe. He actually was an executive in marketing at it, marketing in Manhattan. Gaming was his passion. And this was like his hobby. And so he got what we were saying because he had like read, like he got both worlds, but we knew no one. Um, we got, we started telling people what we thought, like we would, I would chat to a bunch of people on LinkedIn, a bunch ignored me, a bunch tried to sell me like consultant. They're gonna, I could charge, I could pay them all this money and they're going to introduce me to people. Um, and some people took phone calls and some of those phone calls were people I'm kind of like to this day, why'd you take that call? And they're still like, that was the best random LinkedIn message I got. I thought I'll take this call. And like, here we are four years later. So I think that people gave us a chance. And then we started making kind of a group of friends. They were, we weren't like using them for business that believed in our business. And then it worked out really well. So it's just a case of, using the tools that are already there right some people overcomplicate things especially in esports and and, and, it, and it simply is it's, it's who you know right and and being able to 
adds to that list. It's pretty easy if you go on LinkedIn, but as you say, there are people in the industry since it is a huge buzzword um, and yeah. no people want to get into it. Uh, I will not ask who who quoted uh, those things to you and, and offered to consult for you. Maybe I will after this. But um, yeah, there, there are plenty of people that way, so you just have to be careful. But I mean, if you've got the belief, belief in your idea and you think you can take it there, then I mean... I think it was particularly interesting was we already had some knowledge. I would say we definitely said like we, what I knew four years ago is way less than I know now, but I already got that there were a bunch, like I knew games, there were different titles, there were different communities, Twitch was like, I had a pretty basic knowledge. I had done some work. So what I was pitching didn't sound crazy. And I sounded like I knew what I was talking about kind of. So I think that those people felt like I was, it was more valuable than to help me because I'd already somewhat helped myself. That makes sense. And, and earlier on, you said you could kind of tell what community somebody's from based on how they're dressed. So like, do you, do you gear um, your products to different communities? Is, is that something you'd do in the future if you're not already doing it? Like, cause that seems like a good opportunity. So we definitely started designing as if a PC players were the core audience. Obviously that could mean an Overwatch player or a Dota player, which demographic wise, we don't have to go into the specifics, are dramatically, dramatically different. The communities are dramatically, dramatically different. But we wanted to design the best product. And we also designed decide who we were going to work with to get the word out. So the way we market in each community is very specific. Our launch video actually had people from a bunch of different communities. And that was a pretty quick early learning that that wasn't how I wanted to grow this business. That I wanted to make the best video with one Overwatch player and that that was going to get to the top of the Overwatch subreddit. And likely a Dota fan, a League of Legends fan, don't know who that player is and they've never seen the content. But that then I would be, and the brand was really authentic to that space and really making that content resonate. Um, and so we've done that, I'd say, very successfully in League, Overwatch, and Dota. And we've done somewhat in CSGO or Counter-Strike. Um, that's been really intentional. And who we work with has been intentional. And I always say there's like this secret sauce of the people we pick to work with as we've picked individuals and not kind of teams to sponsor. And we feel really strongly that the individuals have to be good people, but they also have to have their own brand. And what that looks like is dramatically different individuals um, that represent it to him. That makes sense. If you ever decide to get into the whole, um, we're going to advertise the business people, then I, I would <laughs> respect you reaching out to me as I feel like I'm a business, uh, esports business micro influencer <laughs> at this point, but definitely not enough of a pull anywhere else. But I think um, you identify something really important there. Um, we tend to hyper-focus on esports as a whole when it is basically that's like the overarching name for a bunch of, of like subcultures and sub communities. And you can access those individually as opposed to always having to target esports as a whole. And that seems like a much better um, marketing kind of mind, depending on what, what your products are, of course. Um, so can we go into say the collaboration with Doublelift? I, I, I'm getting that right. I hope for a, in the, for a second, I was like, oh, what if it was another league player? But I'm, nah. A while ago, but yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. What was it like a couple of years ago? Collaboration was with Double, so there are two separate that's maybe why. Okay, I I would love to just discuss that a little bit because that's like influencer led, and I don't see that too often in esports. Yeah, so we knew Peter. Peter really wanted to do a collection, and we really wanted it to feel a Teo Peter. It wasn't just a Teo, it wasn't just Peter, and we wanted to play on kind of his personality, his sass, 
and what I think are some of the best interviews in gaming and esports and this idea that everyone but him is trash. And so we made a hoodie, a jogger or sitter and a t-shirt and they all had his copy pasta. So they look like Supreme, but his copy pasta is kind of secretly there. So really a nod to Peter Doublelift's community and not just like League of Legends as a whole. And this idea that a bunch of people then that bought all three things got these mini trash cans. And they came with what was a crumpled up napkin with double lift signature and this idea that you got double lifts trash and how much that kind of meme is part of his brand, is part of the League of Legends scene, is part of North American League of Legends and really kind of creating this awesome collection that represented both brands. And how was that received? It was awesome. That was a little different than the collections we do. So that was like sold through the Team Liquid, which was awesome. They're a great org, they're based in LA. Um, but we worked on them with all the kind of video content, all the creative, all the marketing, all of that. So we definitely care a lot about being part of the narrative. We're not kind of interested in just making a t-shirt and saying bye to it from there. We really care about how it's sold to the audience, how it's communicated, all of those things. That, that, yeah, I didn't actually know it was through Team Liquid. Uh, that's, that's interesting that they could do it that way. I, we, why haven't we seen more of that kind of stuff? I think that some team, I think it's great. I think it's great for the org, for the player, for right. a small biz, like across the board, it works really well. Um, but I think, yeah, we've done other partnerships like that, just not with individuals. So we've done with hardware companies, we've done with streaming platforms, those sorts of things. And um, um, which on a personal level is the most exciting for you to work on, if you can single them out? Most exciting. I'll talk about two. Okay. Um, NZXT is obviously known for their lighting kits and that's so much part of their brand. And to make something that didn't have that sort of sparkle literally felt like a failure. And so we made an outfit and then we made a hoodie that was designed to stream in. And it was mostly designed for specifically streamers, not just like a general audience. And it had a bunch of kind of glow in the dark piping and glow in the dark specs on it. And this idea that a product would kind of shimmer and represent the NZXT brand. And so that launched at Anime Expo. They had a pop-up shop. It was awesome. But that was really an exciting way to say, like, this is your brand. This is what we know how to do. Like, how do we make the best thing together? And now if I put glow in the dark piping on Peter's stuff, that would make no sense to me. And so this idea that it, like, and I don't know that Brianna and I would regular like we have used silver, but I don't know that this idea that like there's glow in the dark kind of piping on a product is maybe something we would have thought were our brand guidelines, but it looked awesome. And it was a sweatshirt that looked like NZXT, not just because it said NZXT. So that was really exciting in that they allowed us to kind of try something new and also take what their brand was and like mix it with ours and come out with something. Um, we just finished and we have ongoing work with YouTube gaming. And they've been really awesome in that their goal was to kind of, I don't know if this is like said publicly, but their goal is really to take care of their creators. And it wasn't like some upsetting business goal that Brianne and I had to like drag our feet to become a part of. We were super excited in this idea that you could really create something that would bring joy to the individual opening it. And so we created a really fun unboxing experience. So at the time on YouTube, when we develop a product, I become more or less obsessed with the community and what we're trying to achieve. And at the time on YouTube, there was a bunch of these kind of game and unboxings that were starting to trend. 
And so what happened, and I also wanted to use this opportunity to teach the creators about YouTube gaming because that felt like a win for our partner. So we made a crossword puzzle that was put onto the box and the jackets arrived with a chain that was red and a lock. And to open your jacket, you had to solve this puzzle. So you had to know how many viewable minutes have been on YouTube gaming. You had to know they call them creators, all those sorts of things. And so in response, the creators were super excited. They got something that was easy to create content for. And YouTube was extra excited because it ended up all over social. Um, and then we got to make an awesome product that had all the creator names and things like that. And so it felt really exciting that the goal was really clear and the goal, you know, as a brand, our goal isn't always like create the most magical unboxing, but that was our partner's goal. And so we got to kind of show our creativity another way. So you're very much in like the experience business, not just like the apparel business. So I think that we make apparel, but I think that how someone receives it, their, what their experience is with it, how it acts their entire life, how the brand, you know, engages with them are all really important parts of it. No, no, I agree. And considering Esports Insider is a, a business platform and this is a, a business podcast, I'd be remiss to not ask, um, have you had any major cash injections, any massive funding rounds, any of those kind of things or gone through an accelerator program? Kind of what's, what, how, what, um, how have you received help at all financially if you have? We started off over like through two and a half, almost three years ago, we raised a very small round compared to the numbers thrown around right now. I'm not, this is a, could be a whole nother podcast, but as two women fundraising was a very traumatic, I would say experience. So after that experience, um, we decided we never wanted to raise again. That definitely gives us a lot less cash than our peers. It's scary. Um, there are months we skip taking a salary, all those sorts of things, because we believe in what we're doing. Um, we worked, it wasn't really an incubator. We were one of the only companies to come out of it was Catalyst, which is how we met a bunch of people that have helped us. And specifically Bryce, Ovi, and Yoni, who worked at Catalyst now to or at Loaded um, or Pop Dog. But I guess that was kind of like an incubator. It was now two and a half years ago and it's gone. But those were the two kind of important parts to that story. Okay, that, that, that's cool. And, and okay, let's go big brain. What What's the big brain like goal for Ateo? Say five years, 10 years, where, where would you like to be? What would you have liked to have done? Everyone laughs when I say this. I want to beat Nike. No more power to you. I will not laugh. <laughs> I will encourage it. Yeah, I think we really believe we're building the lifestyle brand of the future. Well, I mean, if if the promise that has been placed upon gaming and esports is realized, which is that it's going to be the biggest thing, then embedding yourself in it now, like many companies, quote unquote, getting in early, like it seems like um, maybe not a safe bet, but like a really good bet. Like, like to do I think, that. I think that that's kind of like a reach dream. I think that we just want to keep making amazing product and kind of innovating and doing it our way and really being good people as we build a business kind of through every step of our supply chain. Well, well that's awesome. And I, I honestly, I wish you the best among that journey of you beating Nike. I'm sure you do it. And um, <laughs> when, when that happens in a couple of years, I can point back to this episode and go, I, I spoke to Rachel, who's behind that, like the Nike killer. That that would be incredible. That's what they're going to call me, Phil Knight with a ponytail. That, that would be a great Twitter bio, if nothing else, you know. 
Well, I, I want to um, thank you for joining me in honor of time. We're gonna have to um, we're gonna have to cut it off here. But I, I would you've used this time now to shout out whatever you want to shout out, whether it's your socials, company socials, whatever it may be. I think that you can follow a Teo underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'm a Teo Rachel, or actually on Discord and Rachel Lipstick on Twitter. Um, also, this is a really hard time for small businesses, so supporting any apparel brand or small business in this space means so much to us. Um, it's a really fun industry, but with no events and no college events and a lot of people out of work, it's a super hard time. So we're really thankful for everyone that has supported us, and we just ask that you do your part as well. Well, uh, on a personal level, like best of luck, I, I hope you just come out stronger out of this and, and everything goes well. Um we need more people to start wearing masks and stop being idiots, which is my PSA yeah. here, because uh, especially in the UK, people seem to think that they can just will it out of existence and that it no longer exists if they believe it doesn't exist, which then just well, messes it up for the rest of us, right? There was, I was watching the news the other day and they said that in the US, we're getting mad at people because they're going to the beach. But look, in the UK, everyone's going to the beach and no one's getting in trouble. And I was like, I don't understand that line of thinking. I don't get how it makes sense, but... I mean, <laughs> uh, it doesn't make sense. And they're not thinking. I think that that's the trouble with it, you know. But uh, anyway, yeah. thank you again for taking the time to, to speak to me. Best of luck with everything. And uh, no doubt we'll catch yeah. up in the future. Cheers. Perfect. Thank you.